0: Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM. Anywhere on that Odyssey app or where you get your favorite podcasts, you can go back and as many days as you want, you know, wherever you get your podcast, search the Rob O'Donnell Show and it'll be there. You'll be able to find it. You can call or text the show at 570-883-0098. Let's go to the phones now. We have uh, Joe from Berwick on crime in Oakland. Joe.
1: Yes. Well, hello, Rob. Uh, I haven't talked to you in a while, but uh, you know what I I do, Rob, is I I look at headlines, and I'm sure you do the same, and and I pretty much read headlines to know what's going on. So I found a real interesting headline that said the NAACP in Oakland, California is calling for a state of emergency. And the reason they're calling for a state of emergency is because uh, crime in, in primarily uh, ethnically black neighborhoods is so out of control that they want a state of emergency declared over this issue. And and I just read that and I, and I just shook my head and I said, you know, this is tragic because you know the, the whole time you had uh, an administration. And, and and two different administrations, but they're technically one. If, if you know, you follow my drift there. The, the these administration that goes around making anecdotal claims of systemic racism in police departments, uh, you know, fi- finding nothing but anecdotal evidence and claiming it's it's a sy- sign of systemic racism, and demanding that basically uh, police officers be denuded of their power and authority. And, and and that's what happened. And, and these, these, uh, as you know, what happened in New York City and everywhere else, where these officers were basically told, stand down, don't do anything, do react, do nothing proactive. And now because of that, you have you have no Bernard Kuricks anywhere. And now that they figured out what's going on, they, they have no one. I don't care. I don't know what they think is going to happen because they're nobody left to leave these departments and, and get them back on track because they've been told that that kind of mentality is not helpful. And so now they're calling for a state of emergency over this, and, and I hate to tell them, you're, you ain't getting nothing. and it. It ain't getting any better anytime soon. Yeah. And, and it's tragic to see.
0: Yeah, Joe, I, I actually talked about this very topic when I was on, I did a TV interview on Friday evening i was on uh, o'connor tonight with larry o'connor and we talked about this specific not only are they looking to, to declare an emergency there but the naacp has has proposed that they need to hire more police and again this was an area that did defund the police they did go down that road but now they're seeing the fruits of that that negligent decision and like you said They've lost their best and most trained officers to retirement. They're leaving to other departments. They're just retiring altogether. They're quitting and, and starting an entirely different career. They're, they're looking to lower standards because they cannot get the applicants to fill the positions they need. And, and it's just going to create that perfect storm of more issues down the road. But the NAACP, in addition to uh, calling for a state of emergency, has also petitioned to hire more police, which I, I find ironic.
1: Yeah, well, the, the other headline I also read, I don't know if you're this one, uh, a doctor in Portland said she's had enough, and, and they, they, they mentioned way down in the article that she started voting Republican because she was uh, knocked out by a homeless person with a metal water bottle, and she was there for 20 minutes as her friend stood over her body sending off this homeless person. And 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 there was no police response, and she said, "I don't blame the police because these idiots defunded them, and they don't have enough officers." So that was another headline that, that I read uh, about the same
0: time. Yeah, we talked about that on on Friday. That specific thing to, that that she she's she's given interviews on the media there locally and nationally. She said that she was she was a proponent of the criminal justice reform and defunding the police. But now she said it was a mistake. She has changed her her voting uh, platform because of, of. She said I can no longer go down that avenue. But it had to happen to her physically to learn that lesson. Um, and, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. That's what a lot of these politicians who make these decisions they walk around with their armed security surrounding them. They're in a bubble. They don't they don't live the normal life that their citizens in their cities live. So they, they're they're making these decisions that are very life critical in a bubble, and that's that needs to stop as well. Okay, well
1: I I, I appreciate it, Rob, and you're on the ball there. I'm not surprised that you've already heard of
0: this. <laughs> I appreciate it, Joe. Yeah. You have a great All right. week. thank you. Thank you. You too. Um, and and it's true where everywhere that it's been tried, there. They're pushing back now the other direction because they see what what kind of a big mistake it was. But there were the people out there, myself uh, included, on every platform that I can get on, saying you're you're creating this perfect storm. Not only you're chasing your your most experienced and best trained people out of the profession, but you're you're preventing anyone new from the profession from coming in. And we're seeing that tragic decision. We saw it down in. Uh, you know, that police incident that happened down in uh, Memphis where you lower the standards, you alter what you, your normal vetting process, you're asking for trouble. And I've heard the arguments and the other side that, that aren't fans of the police, the other side that don't like the police, they're okay with that because it gives them the headlines they want. When they hire someone who's less qualified who normally wouldn't get through the vetting process and that person, as soon as they're a police officer – does something stupid, does something criminal, does something abusive, these same people point and say, oh, look, you see, we told you they were bad. But no, they're they're bad because you lowered the standards in the vetting process to get people in that normally wouldn't get in. So you need to look at that in a holistic manner. But it's that perpetual boogeyman that politicians who can't face real problems need to create. And when you break down the actual data of what goes on, and I've done it time and time again, if you look at the actual you know shootings, if you look at the actual, if you look at actual crime, it doesn't support anything they're saying. Yes, there are tragic incidents where people who probably never should have wore a badge or a uniform before did something criminal and they they're held accountable. They're tried through the process. You may not like the outcome sometimes you may like the outcome sometimes. But you know I, I think I've been pretty straightforward in calling what I've seen criminal criminal behavior, but what they're doing with this this defund the police movement that's backfired on them greatly, for every year that that takes hold, it takes three or four years to correct that. You do not hire and put a police officer on the street in a bubble to where, okay, it's here, we need more police right now. No, it's a process, it's a hiring process to get candidates to take that test, to train them to get them through their their FTO process, so to, to they're finally out there on the street doing things to help the community. And at this point, they're so overwhelmed that, yes, they are reactionary. They are responsive. They come and take reports. I mean, in, in, in San Diego, if your car's broken into, they don't even come anymore. It, it's, that's how everyday occurrence that is. They'll give you a report number over the phone. And then you can t- t- give that number to your insurance company when you tell them my car was broken into. But they don't come; they don't even come out to take a report physically anymore. It's that you have a number you call and say, "Hey, my car was broken into." That's how bad it's gotten, and we're starting to see it in other areas as well. This story caught my attention too. Two owners of a local nursing home sued for fraud, neglect in New York. The New York. Uh, State Attorney General sued four siblings who own two local nursing homes for alleged fraud and resident neglect at a nursing home in Long Island. Now, there's no allegations here to the ones they run. It's just the same owners own these facilities here in Pennsylvania. They also own the ones in New York, which are being alleged for fraud and resident neglect at the nursing home, again, in Long Island. But they also own two nursing homes here in our area. They have interest in the Kingston Rehabilitation and Nursing Center in Kingston and Hampton House in Hanover Township, according to their database. The investigation by James, that's uh, the Attorney General for New York, Letitia James' office found that Cold Springs Hills owners allegedly diverted over $22.6 million in Medicaid and Medicare funds from resident care through a fraudulent network of companies that were used to conceal upfront profit-taking. The lawsuit alleges that long before the COVID-19 pandemic, the owners repeatedly cut staffing at the 588-bed facility which created poor working conditions and endangering residents. Through their lawsuit, James seeks to prevent new residents from entering the facility, install monitors, and oversee the facility's operation and finances, and ban existing and hidden owners in their roles. Now, because of this activity, and there's multiple companies that own these two facilities here in Pennsylvania, I would assume that there's some kind of joint, at least notification to, the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office, to say, hey, you might want to start looking into this. These are the things we found here. Again, these things don't happen in isolation. If you own multiple nursing homes and you're said to be doing alleged fraud in two of them that are in New York, it would be good practice to investigate the others, the other ones. Now, so far, there's no inkling or, or – Allegations as for wrongdoing in the Pennsylvania. Um, nursing homes that there. Hampton House maintains a regular license, and while it's the lowest overall nursing home rating by the U.S. Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Service, one out of five stars, it has few far deficiencies than Kingston Rehab. These are the two that are here. So... With this here, and again, you could read this story. Where did I get this from? The Times Tribune by uh, Steve Mokarski, staff writer. And it's, it's a dive into more so that what's going on in New York, but it would be a red flag for authorities here in uh, in Pennsylvania to at least get it on their radar, to at least start looking at the books and their billing processes because, again, um, they siphoned over $22.6 million in Medicaid and Medicare funds from just one facility, the lawsuit states. And uh, the lawsuit alleges respondents paid more than $15.3 million in fraudulent rent to Cold Springs Realty, which is owned by the same individuals who operate the nursing homes. So there seems to be some kind of shell game going on there as well in the New York facilities. Again, no allegations here in Pennsylvania yet but it would be a red flag for our Attorney General to at least get up to speed with the New York Attorney General found in their other nursing homes in their state. It's uh, 422 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. I guess it's going to be fun today, right? Oh, traffic and weather be
2: fun. Well, the weather's still looking good around here, but have we heard reports of other places?
0: Yep, we're in uh, the tornado warning in yeah. uh, Bradford County right now.
2: Just be careful, my friends. This traffic update brought to you by Pentella Data Internet. There's some road work going on in front of the Viewmont Mall. Why not? It's the beginning of the school year. Viewmont Mall to Red Lobster. That is jammed up on the Scranton Carbondale Highway. Route 309, Wilkesbury Township Boulevard, right around Blackman Street. Some road work there might be causing delays. And you have that construction happening above Clark Summit, 81 northbound. It is all jammed up. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line, 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone. W I L K traffic.
0: Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker sixteen forecast from meteorologist Jeremy Luan. Severe weather alert thunderstorms may bring flash flooding, high winds, hail, and even a tornado, so be careful out there. This afternoon, severe thunderstorms, damaging wind, hail, flooding are all likely high of eighty-two. Tonight, showers and thunderstorms low of sixty-eight. Tuesday, residual showers stick stick with us. Breezy, mostly cloudy skies with clearing late, high 77. Wednesday, mostly sunny skies, gorgeous day, high 84. Thursday, mostly cloudy with a chance of afternoon shower, high 82. It's currently 82 and partly sunny here at 424. Your official weather station, WILK. Well, we told you they were going to come, so there they are. and They're going to continue through the show with those EAS alerts. Just be careful out there. I just saw, again, I, I couldn't hear what they were saying, but I just saw on Fox News that um, Mike Pence may not have made the cut for the first debate due to uh, whatever criteria they have to be involved with it. He wasn't listed on the photos they showed who people who qualified for the first debate. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if he didn't make the cut and by former Vice President Mike Pence uh, will... Not be in that first debate, but if I if I saw that right, he was not part of the pictures that were there as people who qualified for the first debate. Um, a little update on a couple of things. The, remember we talked about that second alligator that was in the Kiske River out near Pittsburgh. That alligator was caught late yesterday. Last night. Sunday night, they're reporting. Two kayakers spotted and caught the gator Sunday, two police officers helped lend a hand. The Gator, dubbed Chomper, was the subject of a week-long search after it was originally spotted. Uh, we have named him and is in custody. Kiske Township Police Chief Lee Bartolucius told the Tribune in a text message, he's now in the hands of humane officers where they will rehome him. The alligator was originally reported to be between four and six feet long. So that alligator, the second alligator out in Pennsylvania, has been uh, caught. And they nicknamed him Chomper. Uh, Got a text message in. Hey, Rob, did you do a piece on those 7-Eleven clerks out in Stockton who beat the ever-loving out of a guy robbing the store? Uh, yes, we did talk about it last week, but the update on that is the district attorney is now looking to charge the clerks uh, with assault of that 7-Eleven store. So I know you saw the videos. The, uh, the guy was at a garbage can on wheels, and he was basically unloading the shelves of cigarettes and all tobacco products behind the counter and was wheeling it out. And he was grabbed by one of the employees and then the second employee with a broom handle. You know, went to town on the guy uh, until the police got there and arrested him. But this is this is the time we this is the days we live in. And again, you saw the video. Is it thief's justice or did they go too far with uh, hitting him with the broomstick until he submitted? I mean, I didn't hear of any major injuries or broken bones or stitches being needed uh, as far as that. But you've seen the video. The the guy. One guy wrestling with him while the other guy is whacking him with the broom handle. How he did not hit his partner, the other clerk, is beyond me because he was kind of worried about it, about it at some point, you know, holding him back. But what is your uh, – what is your – yes, it is the third time that he did rob that Seven they're saying. Um, but because it's the third time if he's robbing it, I mean, technically – They could probably charge assault because they could probably prove a jury, depending on where it is, that there was no need to continually hit him with the broomstick once he was down on the ground. But again, these are just novice store clerks who, like the texter said, has been robbed three times by this individual. And these open-air thefts where they just come in and take whatever they want Smash and grabs, whatever they call them. I mean, now they're walking into the Gucci store and they're running out with tens of thousands of dollars worth of stuff because no one's chasing them. The police are told not to chase them anymore. There are no more pursuits. A lot of the the places in in shopping areas, the police are told you're, you're not to do a vehicle pursuit over stolen merchandise. If it's a violent felony, yes, you know you you can call for your code three and get your upgraded to lights and sirens, but if you are not and it's just a theft, retail theft, even if it's tens of thousands of dollars, you know, do we just let them go? Um, what do we do now? If there's a bank robbery without a firearm, You know, do we just let the guy run away with the money and don't chase him and just take the report? It's really uh, come down to that because unless you prevent these things by tactics that are aggressive to prevent these things that are proactive and hold these people accountable, these are just going to continue. It's uh, 4.33 here at WILK. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. And this
2: Penteladata Internet traffic update, we have backed up traffic on 81 northbound above Clark Summit due to road work. There's also some delays on the Scranton-Carbondale Highway from the Viewmont Mall to Red Lobster because of construction. And you can expect heavy traffic on South River Street in Wilkesbury. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone... W I L K traffic.
0: Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from meteorologist Jeremy Luan. Severe weather alert, thunderstorms may bring flash flooding, high winds, hail, and even a tornado. You're hearing the warnings and watches, so be careful out there. This afternoon, severe thunderstorms, damaging wind, hail, and flooding are all likely. High eighty-two tonight, showers and thunderstorms, low sixty-eight. Tuesday, residual showers stick with us, breezy, mostly cloudy skies with clearing late high seventy seven. Wednesday, mostly sunny skies, gorgeous, high in eighty-four. Thursday, mostly cloudy with a chance of an afternoon shower high eighty two. It's currently eighty two degrees and mostly cloudy now. We're gonna have another ES, guys. Oh, no, we got a break. Sorry about that. We'll be back. It's time for the NEPA Premium Perks. Enjoy this half off deal for the Breakout Escape Room. Get a four pack of tickets for just $48. Half price. If you enjoy problem solving, puzzles, games, and being your own detective, you'll love it. Many try, few succeed. The new Freak Show Room is now open. Book your room now. Breakout Escape Room in Wilkesbury. Visit getmyperks.com for all the details. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's the point in the show where we honor our police officers across the nation who made the ultimate sacrifice. Eighty-seven police officers made the ultimate sacrifice on this day, four of them from here in Pennsylvania. Our first being Lawrence, Police Officer Lawrence John Ferrelli, Chester City Police Department. He died as a result of complications from cancer that developed from directing traffic at the Commodore Barry Bridge during the Wade Dump Fire. Next is Constable John Thomas Caslin, Pennsylvania Constable, Westmoreland County, in 1948. Constable Castlin was shot and killed in Youngtown, Youngstown as he and a justice of the peace attempted to serve a warrant on a man for beating his wife. Patrolman Anthony E. Ra, Pittsburgh Bureau of Police, in 1930 succumbed to head and leg injuries sustained the previous day while responding to a fire alarm call. As he was responding to the fire alarm, turned from Fort Pitt Hotel, a vehicle pulled out in front of his motorcycle from a parking lot in 10th Street, causing a crash. Patrolman David W. Lewis, Pittsburgh Bureau Police, in 1900, succumbed to head injuries sustained on the 1st of June in 1899 while struggling with a suspect, he was attempting to arrest for disorderly conduct in a saloon on Smithfield Street near 7th Avenue. And those are our four from Pennsylvania. Let's go to the phones. We have uh, Rodney from wilkes on the clerk. Rodney. Yes, sir. Uh,
1: I want to comment on the, the beating on the tape there. Two uh, Two things. One, the the guy who was doing a cigarette stealing, he reached for his back pocket several times. He's lucky nobody shot him. And the other thing is, the guy who beat him, I think he was the Sikh. I noticed he only hit him in the legs. He didn't hit him in the torso or the head. He just wanted to lump him up a little.
0: Yeah, or, or disable him. He was resisting the other clerk who was holding him. Uh, and you're correct. It's not like he was beating them over the head or that. He, he was hitting his lower extremities. And, you know, I, I didn't really analyze the video too much, but if he was reaching for stuff, that, that threat is always there. If you're, if you're that brazen to commit crimes and have committed two prior robberies in this in this establishment itself, you know, they have a right to be suspicious that there might be, a, you know, a razor, a weapon, a knife, or something like that.
1: Yeah. It reminds me, I don't know, years ago there was another incident like this and the guy beat him with a machete, but he didn't cut him. He just
0: beat him, like spanked him with it. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I do. I do remember seeing that. And, again, we're seeing more and more where this happens and these clerks defend themselves or defend their their businesses, and they're being charged by district attorneys. So it's at what, kind of, at what clown world are we going to live in to where people don't have the right to defend themselves?
1: Exactly. Hey, Rob, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate you. I listen every day.
0: I appreciate you listening, Ronnie. Thanks for calling in. Um, you can call or text the show at 570-883-0098. Got a text message in. So the 7-Eleven thief will have the charges dropped, the clerks will go to prison for a year, and he'll sue police for not protecting him and clerks for $5 million. You know what? That's not that far off. And you, ask, you say that jokingly, but here's what's going on in these cities for these offenses. We've seen it. We saw it with the riots that there were in New York City where they dropped the charges for everyone that was arrested during the riots. And and if you go back and look at the film, look at the tape, there were dozens of police officers bloodied and injured. There were dozens of police cars burnt and smashed and damaged. There were businesses that were looted. There, there, was, there were riots going on in New York City, and arrests were made. And the city ended up dropping all the arrests and just had a settlement for millions of dollars to pay these people. I think it was $15,000 piece for that settlement because they were let off. Police officers are making these quality of life arrests. They're, they're arresting these, these, these criminals out there doing these larcenies, this stuff like this. And when the DA refuses to prosecute and drops the charges, we've discussed this, that person gets an attorney who's more than William. You can call him the ambulance chaser. You can call him whatever you want. They're more than willing to, to, to put as many lawsuits against the city as they can for false arrest because the district attorney dropped the charges. That doesn't mean a police officer didn't have the right to arrest you. You broke the law. It's a, it's a district attorney's prerogative not to charge you. But what's going on in New York City, these district attorneys are not charging them. The charges are being dropped. They're suing the city and the police department for false arrest, and they're getting thousands of dollars in checks. Most of these are settlement. As a matter of fact, 95% of them are settlements because the city just wants to pay their money to make it go away. There was a point in time where the city fought these cases and said, no, we're going to take you to trial. And they were winning, and they were saving the taxpayers millions of dollars. The fact that they've got away from that now, and they're setting up, and, and you ask, well, why aren't the police rushing to these scenes? Why aren't the police being more proactive? Because they can't. Because they're being sued. The city is indemnifying because they didn't break the law. They are enforcing the law that the legislator, legis- legislation passes those laws. But the DA is refusing to charge and dropping charges, which opens up the lawsuit for civil prosecution, civil uh, civil settlements. So that's what's going on in your cities. And, again, you'll see it here. So saying that the, the 7-Eleven thief will have the charges dropped and the clerks will go to prison and he'll sue for millions of dollars, that's not far off because that's exactly how it happens. And it's exactly what's happening in our cities. I talk to the officers every day. It's It's despicable what's going on. With these because criminal knows, yes, I'll get tossed around, I'll do something stupid, I'll instigate it, I'll get handcuffed, I'll get arrested, I'm gonna get released, and I'm gonna get a lawyer and sue for false arrest, and I'll end up getting ten, fifteen thousand dollars down the road. It'll take a couple of years. But a lot of these people have multiple of these because they're instigating their arrests. They want to get arrested. These people sitting in the and protesting, you know, in the middle of the streets and such like that, they get arrested, they move, the district attorney charges them. They sue the city. False arrest. Give me $10,000. This is how they make living, some of them. F- uh, 454 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Let's go to the phones. We have uh, Dave from Kingston on crime. Hey, Dave, how you been?
3: I'm fine. Thank you, Rob, for taking my call. Yeah, but first off, Rutgers did study showing that the amount of police officers in the area doesn't stop crime whatsoever, okay? So it, it really doesn't matter the amount of cops in the area. You know, also, there's okay. a Brooklyn study that shows that...
0: What expertise do you have to even say that? Well, I read a study,
3: recognized what Rutgers wrong? I mean, like, this is what I mean. I
0: actually did policing for three decades, and... Yes. Uh, an, omnipres- okay. an omnipresence is a deterrent. I'm sorry.
3: Okay. So the Brookings Institute also s- reported and did say that all states that 40 to 50% of those in prison for whatever crimes are basically the 20, the bottom 20% of Americans and meet the poverty level. Okay. So if you're in the bottom 20%, you're most likely to commit a crime because it comes down to inequality and poverty in this country. Okay, uh, I know, see, I know, like, Dave. Dave like- I, know, I
0: know you'd like to wave all crime off as that being the, the that being the well, driver that moral? being the driver of crime. People without morals I, that no, causes crime. I, I think it's a lot of things.
3: Okay, oh. and poverty is the main driver. Actually, it's inequality, but inequality and. poverty.